All right, and welcome back to another episode of Light and Shadows Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to bring on Little Main. Uh, he is a really close friend that I've gotten to know on Instagram, and it's just kind of one of the friends that I've that I've brought me that Instagram has brought me. So I'm super excited to have him here. He's my first official guest on my photography podcast, and he is an amazing dude, so, uh, mental health advocate, which is very important nowadays because mental health definitely deserves more um, attention out there. But um, I just want to take a second to introduce Little Man, Carlos. What's up, bro? Hey. Dude, I'm so excited. <laughs> Applause for him. So, how you doing tonight? I'm chilling. Um, it's been a long day. At I think it's been just a long week, and we're barely in Tuesday on Tuesday, huh? It's Taco Tuesday, uh, bro. <laughs> it's been a it's been a long week at work, um, but you just gotta grind through it. We're actually in the process of hiring, and in that whole hiring process, like I've been very involved in um, looking up the resumes, actually making calls, vetting everything, handing it all over to my. Uh, my boss and I mean, the boss is the owner, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just, it's been a long week. Just I'm head deep or knee deep. Sorry. I was going to like, I, my head's been stuck in resumes. I'd say I looked at it like 125 in the last 48 hours. From your Instagram story? Huh? From your Instagram story that you put up that says you're looking yeah, for Facebook no, so- ads. So that was actually something um, I changed the title because we've been kind of um, we were looking for a digital marketing manager that focused on paid ads. And then from there, we've changed the name to like media buying, paid, uh, paid advertising or paid social. And then I said, well, why don't we just like really focus on what we want, <laughs> which is what we really want is uh, someone like a Facebook ads manager that can also kind of tackle the rest of the stuff. So that's what we did. Um, I changed, like I focused mainly on Facebook ads and, um, we've had like interviews, we've had resumes and it's been taking up most of my time. I do operations, dude. I don't like, I shouldn't be looking at these resumes, but (laughs) I mean, there's like, I have to manage whoever comes in. So I'm very involved with all that stuff. I know for one of the, uh, the poll questions that I put out, you said, I put, I'm like, oh, send me what your profession is because I want to kind of talk to you, talk to people about their professions. And you right. said, I'm a business owner without being the actual business owner, if that makes sense. <laughs> and I thought that was dope because I do see you like your stories. I love your stories when you have your feet kicked up on the desk with, in front of your computer. I'm like, that's the boss right there. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, it's literally like I'm, I'm the boss without boss pay, right? Like, um, so it's, I mean, it's, it's a great job. Um, and it's my career. I, I want to be an, like, I think I have a very entrepreneurial spirit, I would say. So because of that, I'm really in, um, I was actually going to go pursue my MBA. Oh, crazy. Huh? You have your bachelor's. I was going to pursue my MBA and then I was just like, ah, it's really expensive. So what else can I do? And then I said, oh, maybe I can do, I got my BA from Berkeley in psychology. Oh, you smart. You, um, you a smart a one. <laughs> no, yeah, I got, I got my BA from Cal. Um, and then I said, maybe I can do consumer psychology, right? Because it's close to marketing. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe like application uh, psychology. I think that's, I don't, at this point, I don't even remember. I think it was application psychology, uh, which would be kind of like um, 
organizational psych and really seeing how you can structure things and all that and how you kind of communicate with employees. And then I said, well, screw all of that. Like, this is my MBA. This is my grad program, right? Like it's a, it's a startup and I wear a million hats there. So that's true though. I mean, you get a lot of, you get, when I got my degree in business, I got exposed to marketing, to uh, project management. There's so many things like business management is just, it's an umbrella for a vast amount of things. And when you're an entrepreneur, like, you know, like you would know, you wear a lot of hats. You yeah, can't afford yeah, to they, hire one yeah, person. You to do have everything. to market yourself. Right. And I think, I think it's just like, I look at, um, I've seen, I've, I've been, we've been following each other for a minute now and I've seen your growth, even like in your, uh, uh followers and, just, and, um, seeing all of that, you really, it's just the way that you've marketed yourself. Right. And I think that you've done a good job so far. And, you know, now when you, as you start getting more clients, then you go into kind of like accounting and bookkeeping and accounts payable, accounts receivable. So it, it's, it's all of that stuff. And I keep it's, trying, that's the but fun of being like an entrepreneur and having your own business. I'm going to get there soon. <laughs> it's problem solving, bro. That's really all yeah. it is. You know, um, Instagram hates me, of course. We all fall victim to the algorithm at one point or another. And it's just right now, like, I'm blessed to have work where word of mouth is getting me really far, even though Instagram, you know, doesn't show my posts out to everybody. I wish that it would be a better um, avenue to get business, but it's unfortunately not. And I even um, had a situation where I was like, let me throw some money at Instagram. Maybe the, mm-hmm. they'll promote me, and I got a, a Instagram promotion, mm-hmm. and it only got me like five thousand impressions. I'm like, when I get featured by Conquer LA or by Discover LA, I get like a hundred thousand impressions or something like that. I'm like, you're telling me that getting featured is more potent and more powerful than than paying Instagram to push your stuff out. And when you do that, um, I mean, I don't know if it's still the same because I haven't really paid attention on at least my roles have been less marketing at work now, but even when I was heavily focused on it, I also noticed that the more paid kind of like social or posts that you do, the less organic reach you get. And so I heard you in the end, right? And to an extent it's, it makes no sense because it's just like you're putting more money in to try to get, you know, pushed out further, but then it affects your organic reach. And I'm just like, well, how does that make any sense? It's almost like this little oxymoron within itself, right? It's, yeah. it's dumb. Uh, it, have you done anything on TikTok? I don't have a TikTok. I'm not a fan of TikTok. And I know that TikTok is probably for now the future. I see everyone yeah. blowing up on TikTok. I've been me- thinking about opening it, but yeah. video production is so intense. <laughs> that making like little 30 second clips like you gotta have creativity you gotta have time and all that and i don't have that bong that banging 21 year old female body where i could just <laughs> dance and get millions of followers i actually probably have to come up with some meaningful content where i teach or i give something of value to people which but, is good i mean that's the, honestly like even even looking at my out like the way that the algorithm has kind of like pointed me out already it, everything it's just value based right like I, I i'd be surprised if i were to scroll down in my third video of someone dancing <laughs> yeah it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a lot more like marketing tips and stuff to stuff that do but that that it's a whole nother beast too yeah people are growing up and that definitely is a platform that's growing the most right now 
gotta get on it my boy <laughs> so going back to your instagram i want to yeah. start off these segments by asking where your instagram handle comes off uh comes from so uh, at little main so where did that come from it's interesting um, name. it's 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 dumb and it's funny at the same time so so little uh main little main whatever it actually stands for little man um how tall are you i'm five seven you're not that you're not that little <laughs> i mean like it, it took a while to get here <laughs> so um it, it initially when it started it was um i remember what's the, i don't know how to pronounce his name but it was a rapper or kind of like a pop artist rapper oh yeah little man yeah but no his his name was oh, chameleon air oh chameleon chameleon yeah and you remember i don't know if you remember but every time he would start he'd go chameleon main yeah and so then um i was just like oh little main and <laughs> then i was just like oh little main oh and then it just stuck and i just i i kept it once sorry i created i think it was instagram and then from there i just kept it and then it just became my socials and i remember going around and i think when it really popped off with Snapchat, I, I used to do stupid stuff on Snapchat. <laughs> and, um, and then I remember seeing people that would follow me there. And then I started getting a ton of people just following me randomly on Snapchat. And then when I actually met these people, because they were like friends of friends, they're like, Hey, yo, Lito, man. I'm like, what the hell dude? This is my, like, that's my social handle. <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, it just, it tends to like, throw people off and they like it and i've just stuck with it <laughs> yeah my my best friend in high school called me infamous he uh his name was uh suicidal <laughs> it was it felt a little weird like at first but now when as like we were growing up it was it was like oh you know it's it's that's just what he likes to be called he, he was fine but he called me infamous and it just kind of stuck and then when i started doing my my social stuff i was like oh i'm just gonna put infamous because i don't want people to know my real name right. and it just kind of stuck and now i'm kind of like building a brand around it even though sometimes at some points i think it's a little juvenile but <laughs> it, that's just it's the brand that i'm working with and now i got a ton of stickers and all kinds of branding stuff because yeah in the end like you just gotta brand yourself and just at the end of the day you you're you are your own business like yeah you should i'm a huge advocate for working on your on your own hustle and mm-hmm. and developing your own um you know separate streams of income that that are outside of your employment right uh, no for sure and the th- the 310 is that like are you kind of from oh you from the clover city area is that the mid yeah, city clover city area my entire life i've lived on the west side i okay. I've, I've never lived farther than 15 minutes from the beach <laughs> Oh, wow. Lucky you. Yeah, I lived in Santa Monica until I was like 12. And then my parents bought a house in mid-city, like uh, right on the edge of Quiver City. And I remember when my mom and my dad bought the house in 2001, my mom would cry at night. She would be like, I can't believe we bought a house in that ghetto. I can't believe we're going to move out there. I don't want to leave Santa Monica. And she, we stayed in the apartment for like, two weeks after we they gave my parents the keys to the house uh-huh. and it was it was funny she didn't she did not want to move out and now Where it's like City? uh right on the right at the edge of um uh Kenneton park i live like between oh, Kenneton oh. park and the culver city stairs <laughs> what was the name of the street because I, I know now it's now it's Rodale. obama oh, Rodeo, right like yeah Rodeo it was Rodeo. Obama. now it's obama <laughs> obama yeah, boulevard okay. <laughs> yeah that's so, crazy like i live 
a, a block from Obama Boulevard, but um, now my parents, you know, luckily they they got the house for cheap, and now it's worth a lot more money. Oh, yeah, it, that all that area is just getting gentrified, especially since the the new rail came up. Yeah, it's just it's just made the neighborhood so much better now. My mom's like, I'm so glad we moved here <laughs> when we did. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, what do you like shooting with Canon? Like, are you a Canon, a Nikon? I'm actually a Canon guy. You're um, a Canon dude. You like I'm a Canon dude? Yeah. Canon colors. Yeah. Color no, science. See, I got. I got. I mean, you'll be able to see it, but yeah, I got my baby right here. This is. I got the, the EOS R. The EOS R with the Peter McKinnon end cap. Yeah, my, uh, that my wife, my now wife, uh, got me that gift uh, for my birthday. Oh, congratulations on your wedding, yeah. by the way. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Uh, what is it? A month? Yeah, roughly, mm-hmm. roughly about. It's about to be a month. Um, and dude, it's so crazy. I'm just like to think that I'm like in my apartment and I sit down sometimes. I'm like, shit, I'm married. And then, and then. It's just like I'm by myself hardly ever, but if she were to like leave to do whatever errand she needs to run on a Saturday and I'm by myself, I'm like, okay, this is what it feels like to be, to be here. And then all of a sudden hearing the door open, it's just like, oh, my wife is home. Your wife is home. <laughs> I'm, not is used, home. I'm not used to it, but I'm really enjoying it. Is this your first place where you're living alone? Yeah, no, kind of. I mean, I, um, when I lived in Berkeley, um, I was either had my own room or I was renting like a room out, but I guess like my own full apartment by myself. Yes. This is the first time. When I moved out, the first time I moved out and I got to my new apartment, I was like, I really don't own Jack squat. Like I don't have a (laughs) trash can. I don't have a broom. I don't have a cup to drink water. It was just a shock. Like we take so much stuff for granted when we're with our parents. Or with you know with roommates and you move out by yourself, you're like, okay, so you don't have a sofa, you don't have a TV, you no. might have a fork and a spoon and a knife. It's, yeah, no, and I, what was funny is I remember um, we looked at each other when we were planning on getting married, and we're just like, all right, so um, what are we taking over? And then uh, we actually moved into like brand new apartments. They they were still constructing like certain parts of, or certain areas in the complex, and we're just like, all right. Um, I mean, I have this sofa, but yeah, no, we want something new. So we, we bought like, well, luckily we were blessed. Like my mom got us our sofa. She wanted to kind of give it, gift that to us as our like housewarming gift. But, um, I got my iMac, we got like desks, we got like their little table, like kind of like a breakfast table. I've got two TVs. We had to get a, I think the only thing that I had did was a, was a bed. <laughs> All I had to bring was my bed, my camera and like, uh, my clothes. And then we're like, nah, it's a brand new apartment. Let's just get like a, a new bed. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's fun. My, my wife is great and she got me that little ND filter and it's, it's a game changer. I didn't, I didn't think that it was that great, but. Do you get the, the one, the no two to six or the six to nine stop? I got, I got the two to. Two to six. I think, I think it's a two to six yeah. I don't anymore. I, I usually keep it. It's two to five. I usually so, keep it at two, but I mean, I haven't, I haven't been shooting enough to be able to kind of even go down to the five. I usually keep it at like two. Yeah. When I started shooting video, it was just such a, it was such a mindset change where it was like, you can't change the shutter speed. Like if you want to maintain that, that 180 rule where you have to have the, the shutter speed at double your frame rate. Yeah. Like you can't, I can't move the, the shutter speed to 
match the ambient light it was, like yeah. it's weird like and you you move it with your shutter with your aperture so yeah. that was so that was it was it was it was weird trying to learn the exposure triangle in the and apply it in a different way yeah and, but the end then the variable nd filter definitely it was a game changer for me i was like oh like i don't have to change any settings i could just twist a little the variable nd filter and it works it's so crazy because it's just like I, I I listen to you speak and then I, I watch all your posts and I'm just like this guy is so knowledgeable and it reminds me of like one of my one of my like close homies and all he whenever him and I talk he's just like oh yeah you know like like uh, how many bits and blah blah or the bit rate I'm just like I don't know dude like I'm just like I, I just know it looks good and it's just like I I know we we're speaking earlier and I, I'm. I live by this. I'm a jack of all, a master of none. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. You know, you, you, I like everything too. Like, I don't feel like I fully mastered photography. Yeah. I, I I know enough to get by and get professional results or what look like professional results, but I right. still feel like I ha- I can work on my composition sometimes. But I, I like video and I like um, other kinds of creative photography. So it's definitely... You, like creativity is an intangible that I think some people have and some people don't. And um, it's, we need to develop that creativity. You know, anyone can learn photography, anyone can learn the exposure triangle, you know, composition rules and everything. But the people that truly excel at it are the ones that go out and push those boundaries. Right. Have you, um, the biggest example, at least for me is like, have you ever played an instrument? I do not play an instrument. <laughs> this okay, is the closest so, I've been to playing an instrument and I'm standing yeah, no, in front of a microphone. I, um, so I was a musician back, like I play the saxophone and I remember my, uh, one of my friends from up North, he was just like, Carlitos, I'm gonna tell you something. You are the best, worst musician I've ever met. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Like, I don't know if it's a good thing, if it's a bad thing. Like, do I take the best first and then the worst after? Like, and then he's just like, no, it's not even to throw shade on you, but he's just like, you can play everything, but you've mastered none of them. And, and I was just like, oh shoot, like you're, you're right. And then I looked at like everything in my life and I'm just like, mm, I mean, it's just like, I know how to take a photo, but I, I've never sat down to fully like figure out, you know, I, I completely understand that settings and, you know, um, I, I, know some of the terminology but i've never fully like dove deep into it and then i start to wonder what would where would i be if i were to master everything that i like set myself on you know um i started with video and then i jumped over to photo and then i went back to video and then i went back to photo then i did both and then now i've just kind of like tried focusing on video but again i'm not mastering anything (laughs) so how did you get into (laughs) photography or um, videography in this case, because you said you started off yeah. with videography. So I've always had this kind of like, like it, it's almost like gravity, dude. Like it's pulled me towards it as since I can remember. So when I was, um, I don't know, like in early teen, uh, I used to like messing around with my mom's like, like her, you remember those big cameras that had the big old cassette in it? Um, and so I remember playing around with those things and I would just record and, uh, before MTV cribs existed, I would just record like the house and record random things. And I just loved the fact that my mom had a camera, um, that went over. And then it's just like, obviously I couldn't, I couldn't afford to be, you know, like using those tapes up 
even though you can write over it. But um, then my mom started using these disposable cameras whenever we went to things and going and getting them. Um, I'm, I'm missing the word right now. I can't believe I'm forgetting the word um, developed. So we would, we would take the roles and then I loved the whole process. So then I remember I went on a trip to Guatemala when I was 11 or 12 and I started like, I took like three or four and I was just snapping away everywhere. Um, a few years later, my uncle had like a DSLR and I, and I remember that was the first time I ever like laid hands on a DSLR. And I was trying to take all these artsy photos of like my cousin's eye and stuff like that. Um, and then it just like dissipated. I got into music, um, and I played saxophone. Played keyboard or piano, um, flute. I tried the trumpet, you know, so it's just kind of like, I was able to do a little bit of everything. And that's really where I was kind of going, alluding to earlier that, uh, music is a science. It's just a science of sound, right? So you can learn like, like chord progressions and how a one, three, five and all that stuff. And then when it really comes down to it, it's just like the creativity that some people have really pushed like the boundaries of music to these things where it's just like to think that you can mash like, I don't know, just picture two random genres on opposite ends. And then someone is willing to piece those together and make something amazing. I think it was like, uh, what was it? The Mexican uh, I don't know. I don't want to say it's banda, but when remember the pointy boots, yeah. <laughs> when that, that whole thing was happening. That was like a fusion of like EDM and a, a like house electronic music with you know like Mexican sounds and stuff like that. So or Latino sounds. So um, you know those are people pushing the boundaries. Um, but anyways, like uh, when did I get into video? I, I I know that like video video. I think. Oh, church. <laughs> it, it, it actually happened at church. I remember this dude came in and he was carrying his camera around. And again, like I saw a DSLR, I'm like, oh, shoot, like that's sick. And he made a video and um, for like a retreat or something like that. The next year he was gone. And I'm just like, and everyone was like, oh, man, there's going to be no video this year. And so I'm like, oh, I got a GoPro. So like, let's just let's just try it out. So I tried it out with a GoPro and I remember just walking around with my little like stick and, or like little handheld stick and putting the camera in everybody's faces. And at the end, at the end of um, that whole retreat, like I got home, I looked at all my footage. I'm like, Oh, what if I start piecing things together? And before I knew it, it's just like, I had a, I had a video for that retreat. I had a video um, soon after for like a mission trip and then I had another video for like another mission trip and every single like convention or retreat, whatever you want to call it, that, that they did, it was just like, Hey, Carlito, so are we going to work on the video? When are we going to release it by? And I just became the video guy after that. Um, but the one thing that I realized was I needed to really work on my composition. And the only way that I can work on my composition was to go still. Right. I think that's one of the last things people really learn, like composition. You can't really learn in a book. You have to kind of go out there and see what looks pleasing to the eye. Right. And, so, and for me, when I would look at, it, at all my shots, I was just like, this doesn't look right. What if I switch over to still where I only have one shot, right, to, to frame somebody or to, um, you know, just just make sure that everything looks good in the shot. And then, and then, so I was just like, let's just switch over to photography. <laughs> um, and, and that's when that was my switch. Like that's, that's when I switched over to photo. 
Was this years ago or just recently? No, this was back in, um, I would say I started shooting, shooting with a DSLR back in like 2013, 14. Okay. Yeah, because I was I was looking at your feed right now, and like I like the I love your tones and your color grades that you're having like towards the bottom of your feeds because it's like your feed has gone for like a little more personal. Yeah, but for your photography when you were doing it, like you like that long exposure mm-hmm. and those dark colors, those blues and those reds, and those are really fun. Like when you first start photography and you do those long exposures, you're like, look at those light trails, like that's almost <laughs> magical. Yeah, and I think everyone at some point gets into long exposure and finds that. But and to this to this day, I keep a lot a lot of those similarities. Like um, my editing style, what I've noticed, I really like like the um, I, I like cranking the blacks and and the shadows, just because I, I like that heavy contrast. So even if you were to look at you know portraits that I do and um, or just anything that I edit, even just my personal photos, it tends to be that like. I like the heavy contrast in, in, in the tones of everything that I do. I tend to go a little warmer than cooler, um, a little more magenta than like green. Um, and it's, those are like the little things that I don't even, when I look back, I'm like, Oh my God, like that, that was kind of cool. And dude, all of that was done because I was sad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Cause I love your, your color like you're one of those people that has a grid that looks nice and uniform and kind of follows the same color palette whereas my feed is like all over the place i have some colorful bright ass pinks and then <laughs> on other pictures i have some like warm cool blues but yeah so you mentioned that you it was because you were sad so do you are you using photography as like an, like an outlet to it was um i think now uh like there's so much that has happened and i mean honestly dude this would be like three hours if we were to, to get deep mm-hmm. into it um but uh i i know that i got heavy into photography when i came back from berkeley while i was at berkeley like i i barely knew what i was doing i, I had a camera i knew i i was dude i was like i had a 70d um with like a two thousand dollar freaking 70 to 200 um with the, that white lens and and i had a 24 to 70 with like the 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 four stop and i remember i was just like what the hell am i doing with this stuff like i'm spending ridiculous amount of money and for what like i'm not i'm not doing anything with it and but i still had it and i remember that someone came up to me and they're like hey like uh our photographer bailed out do you mind shooting a wedding i'm like um okay, so this is your time. This is your time to shine. You know, um, you have the equipment, but I was not confident at all in kind of like my skill to be able to capture that. I've never shot a wedding. I've, I don't, I've never even been to weddings, dude. Like I think prior to getting married or even getting with like my wife, I had been to two weddings and both of them were my cousins. Other than that, I don't go to friends' weddings. I didn't go to any of that stuff. So it's like, what does a, photog- a wedding photographer do? where do you stand? What shots should you be looking for? I had no knowledge of that. And as much as I wanted to research on YouTube, like I couldn't find anything or anything meaningful to prepare me for that moment. Right. So I went through kind of like learning a lot of that stuff and then, um, hitting a lot of, I would say like bumps in the road, uh, personally and coming back home to LA with a little more experience with my camera but losing absolutely everything in my life. So um, 
you know, it's just like, I came back to, we had lost our house, um, a lost relationship, lost church, lost friends, lost like family, um, lost job, lost, you know, it's just like so many losses that when I got here, I was just like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? You know, it's just like everything that I knew is gone. And, um, and so I remember crying myself and then even health, dude, like my health just completely like deteriorated in, in that month that I came back. So looking at everything, I'm like, okay, I need to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with like a job. So I started applying. Then I said, what am I going to do emotionally or mentally? And there was nothing for that. Um, So I gravitated towards my camera and I said, you know what? Let's just drive out in the middle of the night because you're not going to be able to sleep anyways. And Mm -hmm. I would drive towards downtown LA and um, just go there and, and just sit there. It was the most serene thing. Like, I mean, part of me was always scared that I would get jacked or whatever, but it, it was so peaceful and it was something that truly helped me. And then getting home, working on, you know, like editing, um, it was just the perfect place to be. And I did that for six months or so. Yeah. That's, that's, you touched on something amazing about photography that I think a lot of people find at one point or another. Um, a lot of people call me crazy. Like you get up at five in the morning to go take some pictures. Like really? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you don't understand how therapeutic it is to go out. Um, in your case, it was at night cause it's um, yeah. the city's asleep and it's quiet, but I like going yeah. up for sunrise and it's an amazing feeling being up before everybody when it's dark, you go out to the park, you set up your tripod and then you start taking some pictures and you see the world just come to life and then you go home and then you take, you edit and it's all a therapeutic process. And it is, I think it is a great, way i love the way you put it like you lost a lot of stuff you know thankfully i haven't had a lot of hardship in my life i can be my honest with myself about that like i can right. i i can't be li- mad at, at life at all i've been blessed with great parents great wife but um people like you that have had it harder in life i really look up to because yeah. i i haven't had hardship like that but I'm so glad that you found photography and I think it's, it's a great outlet and a great yeah. way to it's therapy. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, it's just like, I look at that year as very difficult, you know, it was a very difficult year. Um, but in general life has been great. Right. Like, and so that's why for me, it was so weird to be like, why is this just feeling off? Um, and you know, it's just like, I had never been diagnosed with anything like any mental illnesses or anything like that. But I knew that there was part of me that was probably, I was just like, I get a little social anxiety, which is so weird to a lot of people when they like talk to me, they're like, you're so extroverted. I'm like, yeah, by nature, I'm an introvert. I just know how to kind of like adapt myself to these kind of environments, but I I rather be alone and I rather not be around people and talking, you know, it just makes me feel like I'm going to get judged or I have that like heavy fear of being judged. And then sometimes I cripple, like I get, I feel very crippled in certain situations and stuff like that. But, um, you know, like I started writing as well. So like art became a full outlet where I was able to incorporate my photography with writing, which I love doing and couple those things together to be able to write and say, Hey, like mental health is very important, blah, 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 blah. And 
And these are some things that I've been working on. And so, I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, you can go through some of those captions and a lot of those captions are, um, reveal a lot of like the, the times that I was kind of like going through. Um, but you know, it's just like life's been great. It was a, it was a tough year. And, um, I think that long exposure is perfect for that, right? Like you talk about therapy and, you know, being able to sit there and for 15, eight, 30 seconds, wait for one shot. It's just like the complete opposite of what LA is. Like <laughs> you, you, yeah. you drive down downtown um, LA the, through the 110, and it's just like traffic and everything is fast paced. And you have to go here and there and plan according to traffic. But f- at that time, you can take 30 seconds to breathe in, hit your button, and be able to say, All right, let's see what we get. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned about the introvert part. I am such an introvert myself that when people ask me, it's like, oh, you're going to go out and photograph all these models and I'm so, and it must be so easy for you to talk to them. I'm like, no, like it takes me so out of my comfort zone. I would much rather be alone. I'd much rather be on a beach somewhere with a tripod and my camera by myself. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, I'm big fan of, like I said, I'm a big fan of developing yourself. So I make myself uncomfortable to. Be- how, how has it been for you? Um, I mean, I guess confidence wise, like you might be an introvert, but do you feel confident with your skill and what you can do? So I always get nervous before any shoot. I don't care yeah. how easy it is. I'm always in the back of my head. I'm always like, am I going to mess this up? Is it going to be the shoot where like, I don't perform up to these people's standards, right. but you know, especially when you're taking money from people to capture their special moments, it kind yeah. of level, like it ups the stakes a lot. Like they're paying you for a product and you better deliver because especially for big events, like uh first year, like cake smashes or like weddings or quinceanera, sweet 15s, whatever it is like, you better deliver because you're taking these people's money and I don't care what job. Those are the worst. (laughs) Those are the worst. I feel like in a certain way, weddings and quinceañeras are easy because they're super um, emotional. Like no matter what you do, you're going to be like, I look so beautiful. I like, like my parents look so, you know, whatever. Uh, We look so in love or whatever it may be. Like it's a little easier um, and I touch on that because commercial photography, which I've dabbled in a bit now, is uh-huh. so different because you have a client that knows what they want. They're not their feelings are not involved in it and they'll call you out on it. They're like, this is not the vision I had. Like reshoot it. You know, yeah. dude. like I don't like the way the product looks. I want more shadows on it. I want more light on it. I want it, I don't like the setting of it, like product photography and all that stuff. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know if it was just like, I went to this one, like very, uh, very paisa, um, quinceanera one time. And dude, like when I came back, I, I delivered and mind you, like I wasn't even charging them a lot because for them, it was just like budget was a big thing. So, um, I went in, I delivered their photos. I delivered like a 10 minute video, which to me was a lot like to do a 10 minute video for, you know, like a, like a last minute two, three hour quinceanera, I felt like, what, what the hell am I recording for so long? You know? And I came, I delivered everything. They're like, um, cool. Thanks for the photos. And, uh, is there more to the video? And I was just like, more to the video. And they're like, yeah, you know, um, you know, we're expecting like a 45 minute video. I'm like, 
I didn't have the camera sitting there for 45 minutes. And, you know, even if you would have asked me for it, I would have been like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Find someone else. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, continue as I think they just left like a better taste in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The um, video is so, it's so, it's such a different animal than photography. Like you can definitely overshoot at a wedding. You can overshoot, you can have way too much, photography at events but one thing that i'm learning is you can never have enough video footage whether it be b-roll or like um a-roll whatever it may be you always need more footage like mm -hmm. it's better to have a lot more than not have enough and Just photography is different keep the camera on <laughs> yeah like photography is different photography i i've done weddings and i've um sometimes i'm like why did i take so many pictures but i think that's part of the downside of digital photography people yeah. have lost um intent with photography mm -hmm. people just shoot and shoot and shoot and they don't ever think about doing it with intention 100 yeah yeah no video video i think um i i fell in love with it when i went back to church which is it's so crazy it's just like church it seems to be kind of like this uh factor in like my art and stuff like that you know it's like for whatever reason um i i i started working um well not working but i started volunteering at this church and they have like the craziest creatives i have met in like graphic design photo video and they're just so talented in what they do and i remember going in very nervous and scared but they were just like nah dude you got this come on like just go in like just shadow me and then uh i remember they're just like hey do you do like video too and i'm just like i mean i used to do video a long time ago they're like can you make us a video and they're like we just want a recap of you know what we did and i'm like all right i'll give it a shot and then um i did it and they were blown away and i was just like what did i do right <laughs> you know <laughs> um but It, then I started kind of diving a little bit deeper into it and then really seeing the difference between like how you would color grade or do any kind of editing on, on a photo versus how you would do it on a video. And when I was doing it uh, video, I was working with my, my 6D Mark II and, you know, it's just like I'm shooting handheld and I'm just like, okay, so let's, let's try to figure this out. So it's not so jittery. Um, then it's like doubling the frame uh, or doubling the shutter um, compared to like whatever your frame rate is, because I was playing a lot. Like I think I was shooting at 60 frames per second. So I was minimum at like 125 shutter. And when I, when I interpreted, and this is, this is all stuff that I learned while, while I was with them, interpreting the footage down to like 24 frames 24, per second. 23.976. So yeah. <laughs> 23.976. And then, and then if you want to get it like back to the regular kind of like pace of whatever looks normal, I guess, quote unquote, then you go ahead and then you multiply it by 250. Right. Mm -hmm. So like all of that stuff I learned with them and I'm like, Oh shoot, like this is crazy. This is beyond anything that I had knowledge of. Um, and they just started teaching me things little by little, but then I started diving into it and I'm just like, how would it look if I did kind of like, Uh, like a kaleidoscope, right? Like how can I make my video kind of have this kaleidoscope effect? And then there I am on YouTube, oh, kaleidoscope effect, like like tutorial. And then I'm just, and then I started implementing a lot of these transitions and kaleidoscope effects. And um, uh, I learned uh, these kind of like speed ramps, but it you kind of create like this, 
how do you call it? You, you create this like radial blur, but then you mask it down at the center so that when you speed things up and you create these speed ramps, everything looks like it's flying through, but it, like your subject is perfectly like sharp and in center. I was just like, these guys are crazy. <laughs> so, um, so then I started taking a lot of those things and then I started like people started hiring me little by little. And then I started shooting weddings and, then I did like engagement shoots and then like gender reveals, birthday parties. And little by little, it's, it's got um, the one thing that, you know, it's just like when I include incorporate psychology and I incorporate mental health and, you know, all that stuff. When I look at my camera, I've always, I love people. You get me? I, I love um, capturing that moment. And people always say that a, like a picture or a photo, you know, has like, a thousand words, right? Right. But imagine like, a, a video is like how many photos in a video you get me. So you can truly tell a story. And that's really what I focused on. Like, I'm really, I'm really good with like body language and being able to see, oh, this person's a little tired or, oh, this person's having a rough day. These two people are truly in love, whatever. Right. And so uh, I've, I've implemented a lot of like my psychology knowledge, the innate kind of like psychology things that just came natural to me. And I've coupled that with, you know, like a camera and video. And I'm just like, all right, I can truly tell a story and I'm a storyteller. (laughs) I've I've learned that. That's really what it comes down to with video and photos. Like it's a little bit harder with photos to tell a story, but definitely with video, I have found that you can tell some beautiful stories with video and, you know, slow motion, you know, that's, that's like one of the big secrets, like 60 P slow down. Amazing. It makes everything look so much more cinematic. It it looks beautiful. And and imagine once you start going into like 120 frames per second, right? Like once you really get into that and it's just like you double everything that you did prior, it, it completely changed it. Like I shot with a Sony a seven, I don't remember what it was, but their camera had 120 frames per second. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, let's just try it. Right. Dude. I was like, Oh my God, this thing mm-hmm. is crazy. Cause the slow motion is like buttery smooth and you truly yeah. get like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's crazy. I love it. Yeah. The a seven S three now has, I think uh 124 K. Oh, so good. Do you do you shoot in 4K or you shoot in 1080p? I shoot in 1080p. I haven't I haven't really I mean, it's I know that I want to do more, so I've considered kind of getting like an actual like either a cinematic camera or just a like a camera that's just video, right? Um because I want to get into all those things, but I don't, I don't like like going into 4k with like my Canon. I just, I, I don't know why it just feels weird to me. And it's like, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just feels weird to me. I'm definitely a 1080p shooter myself. Like yeah. I, all my, uh, my timelines are in 1080p, but, and I've always said that 4k is really overkill, especially since all most media is consumed on your phone. You don't need mm-hmm. 4k for that. But what I have learned is that you can do some amazing reframing with 4k like 4k is essentially four 1080p screens a two uh two by two uh four the two by two square like grid of 1080p feeds so you can f- reframe without losing any quality for your 1080p feed 
That's interesting. Yeah, so you can do a lot of warp stabilizing. It gives you a lot of leeway, so I definitely get the appeal of 4K, but editing and running everything at 4K at 100% a scale is is overkill for me. It's a lot of memory. It's a lot of uh, computing power. It's it's a lot. Yeah. But do you have you fallen have you fallen to gas gear acquisition syndrome? What is that? You've never heard of that? No. Where you're like, okay, so now I have the EOSR, right? You have uh-huh. like, oh, I have the twenty four to one hundred five. Oh, now I need a prime lens. Oh, now I need a stabilizer. Oh, now I need a variable ND, and it's just a never ending money pit of photography stuff. I think that was prior. Um, and, and I, I, I got lucky dude. And in all honesty, I got really lucky because when I had my 70 D I was just like, okay, it's a crop frame. Now I'm going to go over to like a full frame. Right. So I, I got my, uh, I got my 60 Mark two and I had, I, like, as I mentioned, I had a, tw- a 24 to 70, uh, F four and I had a 70 to 200, the two eight. Right. And then I said, man, I just, I want to go mirrorless because I'm shooting in low light settings. Like the, it's one of these like modern churches. It kind of has not like a warehouse vibe, but it just looks very clean. I'm shooting in the dark half of the time. So maybe if I go mirrorless, like I know that it's like everything is going mirrorless right now. So let me give it a shot. And, and then um, I was just like, okay, now do I want the 24 to 105 or do I just get the 24 to 70? And just roll with it. I'm like, eh, whatever. Let's just spend more because this should be my one, you know, acquisition, <laughs> and I don't want to spend anymore. Um, but I learned early on, you know, like um, I didn't go full frame early because I wanted to learn, you know, like as best as I could to the best of my ability, composition and how I can quote unquote master. Cause I haven't mastered anything, but you know, really maximize like my efforts with, with a crop frame. And then I went over to my, my 60 and I was, I really wanted to maximize, you know, like my efforts with that camera. And then I came over to the EOS R. So I'm like trying to maximize, you know, what I can do with it. But I, I like, and even that sounds ridiculous cause I still have to master, you know, mm-hmm. and like truly understand like all the settings and everything that I can do with it. Um, but there comes a point, it's just like, like right now, for, for example, uh, I never worked with log until recently. So like working with log and then uh, we were talking earlier about these like trick tips and, you know, just bringing like those, like those shadows down the highlights up and then just kind of like balancing it out with the midtones. And then as annoying as it, it, it may be, it's just like, there's certain clips where you kind of like adjust it and, but it's like, so like minimal at that point that it's just like now again i'm just really trying to focus on the log now and then um probably figure out like some more of the settings and how it works on my camera so that then because i don't want to go into kind of like a a black magic or whatever right (laughs) without understanding like like the bit rates and and how like all this framing works and it's just so much to it that it's just like i have to dive into it right i just learned about um of huge like buzzword right now is like um 10 bit 422 and mm-hmm. that just essentially means you got a ton of uh flexibility with color because i've i've started noticing that with my with my a7 III that i can push color a little bit before it starts banding out and creating like a jumbled mess but it's definitely you're doing it right you are you are 100 doing it right you're learning to master the gear you have before getting into you know more expensive stuff like if i had 
if I had the money, I'd probably get an A7 III right now, an A7S III, because it's yeah. just it's an amazing camera. It's an amazing video camera, and the ISO performance is amazing. But like, it's just it's a it's a balance. Like, do you want to blow all your money on camera gear to get more stuff that you haven't really mastered? Yeah, no, and then, dude, I have a Ronin S. And it's just like, I, we were talking about this last time, like the stabilizing on it. I'm just like, oh, what the hell? Like I get it right sometimes. And then other times I don't. And I'm like, okay, so what am I doing wrong? And it's like, I go to videos and I'm just like, well, that's exactly what I'm doing. So <laughs> what am I doing wrong? And then, it, and then it gets so frustrating because there's all these little cables and stuff like that, that you can add, you know, like plug in. And I'm just like, I don't, at this point, I don't even know where those cables are at. I'm like, <laughs> completely honest there's there's somewhere in the drawer somewhere at the bottom yeah (laughs) no but that's one thing i why i do i kind of advocate for new technology because as things get come out it's easier so like for example before on older cameras like the 60 mark ii that you have i'm sure the file flexibility is not as much as your eos are like you had to get the exposure on point if not your image was lost now with mirrorless cameras it's so they're so flexible in the iso and and like um what is it called dynamic range yeah um you can recover a lot of stuff and so in to get back to your point about the ronin i didn't get the s what is it the sc because i thought it was it didn't it wasn't strong enough to handle my kit so i waited for the rsc2 and part of the reason i got is because it's so easy to balance all four axes lock so you can when you're ready to balance one axis you unlock it and then you're just balancing that you're not trying to balance all three axes at once so you unlock it you you balance it and then um for the next one you unlock it and then you balance that and then for the third one you unlock the last lock and then you have a balanced gimbal yeah, see, for for mine, it's just like, like they're you have all to unlocked, kind of balance and then it. I started kind of like playing around with it. And if I bring it down, then it's just like now it's like tilting over to the right, and I'm like, okay, so what what else can I do to kind of like recover that? And right. then and then being able to like shake it and have it like move, but then fall back in place. Yeah, it's just like I have it right, but then a second into it, it starts tilting forward. I'm like, oh my. <laughs> god and it sucks when you turn it on and you're trying to balance it and you can feel the motors like straining mm-hmm. to keep it and it's just it's like if you have ocd it sucks because you know it's kind of telling you like you suck at balancing me <laughs> no and you know what's crazy like the first day that i got it it was so hilarious i had my 60 on it right and so it's just like i thought i balanced it and i was playing around with it. i'm already sick like i'm gonna I'm figure this whole thing out and, and I'm practicing at, at um, my, my parents' place and I'm moving it around. And then before you know it, it just starts shaking and it's just like, it starts seizing. It's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> it spinned around. I don't know how my camera came <laughs> off and it landed like on the lens. I was like, oh my God, I just cracked my lens. Luckily, like, I don't know how it landed that it just kind of like slightly dented the threading. But my lens was good, and I'm like, dude, like this thing is dangerous. <laughs> this thing is dangerous. Yeah, it tries to balance itself, so it'll start going all crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but it's it's definitely as technology moves on, it makes stuff a lot easier now. And I've seen like with my A7 III, it was such a change to the way I shot. Like you had to yeah. be right on the line for exposure. On my, I used to shoot on a Canon T4i. 
And okay. those files, like they had to be on point. If not, yeah. you would lose them. You would, there's no recovering files from that. But then with yeah. the A seven three, it's like you have to shoot a little bit, like one stop underexposed, for the best results. And it was just a change of mindset and the mind frame to how you shoot. And now I know we were talking about this earlier about log. Log yeah. is supposed to be a tad bit overexposed, and that just blows my mind again. Like. For pictures, I have to underexpose. For video, I have to overexpose, <laughs> and I have to take it all into post, and then it looks like it looks like a mess. It looks like a white mess. Yeah, but then no. you add in the contrast, you add in the saturation, and you get a beautiful file. But that's kind of that, but, yeah. but that's the thing because I I feel like you know I've looked at a lot of videos, and then they all talk about the saturation, and so it's just like through trial and error, and again through like tips that you know I've heard. It's just, I I. To this day, I have to touch the saturation on my on my log like footage. Yeah, and it, and it's really I, I, I mean it's just, I'm telling you like I'm a jack of all, master of none. There's a there's a thing where it's just kind of like it, it has the shadows, the midtones, and and the highlights, and that's really where it's just like when you kind of have your lumetroscope, I think is what it's called. Lumetry. Yeah, a lumetry scope. So when you when you go through all that whole thing and you're looking at it, you can like you see when it goes down and you see um, like those waves. I don't know. Yeah, they look crazy. (laughs) But um, you really see it kind of like where it peaks uh, on both ends, on the highlights and the shadows. And then you kind of start like balancing it out with the midtones. And then I have not touched the the saturation at all. Yeah. To to this day. Everything with, with video is everything. The name of the game in video is subtlety. You have to be subtle with your sliders. You can't go yeah. too crazy because um, saturation will go really make your videos look really, really bad. <laughs> Are you, when you play with the, uh, what's it called? Like uh, when you make the image cooler or warmer. The temperature. The temperature, right? So it's just like, you know that you can increase that dramatically on photo. Yeah. And it's just like sick, right? And then when you do it on photo, sorry, when you do it on video, like you bring it up like one or two kind of like points and you're just yeah. like, wait, how did they, how did it? And it's not even like a nice, like warmer tone. It's like, no, it's like, it's like an ugly little orange. <laughs> yeah. And some people have made a giant following on Instagram by putting out purple sidewalks, <laughs> purple skies. And it, I mean, it's different people like that. There's an audience yeah. for that. Definitely. But you can't. I don't think that will ever take off for video. You know, yeah, all the crazy the rappers, colors huh? and everything. <laughs> Not even rappers. You know, it's like, man, you can make someone look. Who's gonna want to see someone look pink skin or or like real deep orange skin? It's you got to be subtle with video. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's I, I struggle, and my biggest struggle right now has been, and it's just right here, right? It's in my head. I always forget to change to take the night shift off my computer. The night shift? When I'm editing. Yeah, so I have like a night shift on my computer that to re- reduce the blue oh, light. Oh, it changes your it changes, it changes your color the temp- profile. The temperature on it. So so then I'm editing sometimes and then I get, receive it on my phone. I'm like, what the hell? Like this thing is horrible. Like what was I thinking? Dude, and I spent two hours like editing everything. Now I have to go back in to kind of like re-edit everything. So I was looking at this, the most recent video that I did for my cousin. I was really happy with like, I mean, not extremely happy, but I was pretty happy with (laughs) the way that 
um, the like the temperature looked. I like the contrast. I liked a lot of it. Right. There's some things that I'm like, okay, I could have improved on, on these areas. But then when I saw it on the phone, I was just like, oh my God, why is it so like green? And why is, why, oh my God, it's cool. And I needed to make this a little bit warmer. And because I didn't adjust those things and I didn't adjust the settings on like my screen, then, you know, her screen looked pale. Like she, like it looked a little green and I'm just like, oh man, I I really needed to fix this prior. Yeah. That's definitely something I've been struggling with as well. Like I make it look super nice on my laptop. And then when I take it, I upload it to Vimeo and I look at it on the thing. I'm like, oh my God, he's, the saturation is a little too much so i've learned to kind of adjust to that but when i i want to get a desktop to actually edit like it's going to be a retraining of the brain again like now i need yeah. to find out the color profile that i need to color to because it's going to be different yeah i mean your video has been really good i mean from everything that i've seen it's just i wouldn't i wouldn't think like oh this dude just started doing video like you look seasoned it's the gimbal <laughs> it's really the gimbal <laughs> the gimbal makes everything look super smooth and buttery and then the 60p also makes everything yeah. it's no, very it's forgiving also, it's also a shot selection you know it's just like you choose the right clips you shoot the right like footage um it the editing it's just like you you cut at the right times you tell a story like the editing. So it's, it's more than the gimbal, you know, I, I, I look at all that stuff in it. Uh, and again, just cause I, I feel like that's been my focus. I look at music videos and I pay a lot more attention to like uh, movies, shows and how they shoot everything. And I'm like, okay, like that's, that's my training now. Something I'm really struggling with right now is color grading. It's super hard to develop your own style and your own, um, your own style, you know, like yeah. this is this is my color. These are this is what I'm known for. But it's 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 hard because different settings call for different colors. You know, like right. the the one video I made for my boss is um, his son just turned ten months old, and it was he told he told me like oh show up at golden hour. I'm like oh beautiful. I'll have some beautiful pictures of his son in the in at golden hour. So that nice bright yellow orange tones and everything but then when i got there it got super cloudy and it was just all everything was so gray i was like i don't know how i'm gonna do it but then i got inspiration from like the batman joker type uh uh movies where i'm like you can actually make that a kind like you can make the weather and its own separate character in movies in your films because it can add a layer of depth and right. I so I kind of instead of trying to hide the clouds, I kind of brought them in and, you know, try to make it as beautiful as you can. But it's definitely it's a problem solving. It's constant problem solving with video making. Right. I'm going I'm to ask you a question. So in in editing, um, I, like, let's just start off with photos, right? Like, how did you. Was there a person or a certain style of editing that really inspired you to kind of like create or really pushed you for your editing style and then at what point did you say okay now i need to tweak it and make it my own that's a really tough question i i when i first started instagram i really didn't know what i was trying to go for i kind of made the beginner mistakes for like crank up the saturation crank up you know the blue clarity yeah the clarity (laughs) slider yes the haze and clarity the the number one beginner mistakes um but i like there was a lot of people 
um, and you look at different artists on Instagram, like especially like LA based photographers, and you're kind of like, how do I recreate that? How do how can I make that my own? But then they're on a whole different level where you like you don't even know where to start. Right. So I started developing my own style when I started actually reading on color theory. I started checking out books and stuff on like, oh, complementary colors, uh, like what is it called? Tertiary colors. And you just look at the color wheel. So but my first biggest inspiration was um, at Miguelin 1992. I don't know if okay. You, yeah, I he, follow him. Yeah, he had these very he was such a opposite um, colorist to what I was doing at the time. He had very dark blacks like you like you crush the blacks and you kind of show hints of color here and there and i was like i like that i really like the look even though it my brain is telling me like no keep cranking up the saturation slider so he was he was one of the he was the first big account that was um that i looked up to because his his colors were were moody i guess that's where i learned the the theory of being a moody gram. Right, right, right. What about you? Um, I think I was just playing around with it, like, for a long time. I would just look at, you know, um, like, Maylene's photos. I would look at your photos. I went on, you know, Conquer LA, and I looked at, you know, some things that everyone was doing, and I couldn't really I, – I tried replicating, like, that moody kind of look, and – I couldn't get it. And I was just like, Oh, it was so frustrating to me. Um, but then little by little, I started kind of like just figuring out, I, I didn't know a tone curve or like how to work with it till maybe like a year and a half ago. Definitely an advanced technique. Yeah. So, so I was just like, Oh man, like how do I, how do like now I obviously I play with it a little bit more than, than I was, um, back in 2018 when I was really like going through, you know, like doing a lot of photography and stuff. Um, but then as I started kind of getting into portraits, um, I started looking at, you know, like Moody Graham and a lot of those uh, accounts. And, um, then I started, I, I saw family portraits and I, I mean, I'm sure you've seen everything that's trending. It's just like you, you bring down the shadows and then, and then I was just like, that's what I like, you know, I like, I like cranking, you know, like making sure that like, there's a huge contrast with everything. And, um, and I just stuck to it. And then I translated that over to video. Um, and so I guess, and that's where, I, I mean, I it sucks that I don't have like a specific account, but you know, it's just like, I can name, you know, numerous accounts. Um, oh, timeout, by the way. It's so crazy to me that you found so much success in getting featured by these accounts. I've had none. Like, like I've been featured by Conquer, I think twice. Fox LA, uh, I think Fox LA was twice. Uh, I I got featured by High Snobiety. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and they they have like two like plus million followers, and I was just like zero, dude. Like I was just like, where the hell? Like why is it? You know. So so for me, like I think. I'm not going to say it was discouraging, but, um, the idea of 
cranking out a lot of like content to try to get featured on these things didn't become like this primary goal for me anymore. I felt like I was doing a lot of that to try to get featured so that it would either increase impressions, it would increase like uh, followers. But then when that, the result was like, not that I was just like, let's just, just, let's just create what we like to create. It is kind of discouraging when you get featured by huge accounts and then they get like a, 30,000 likes on your picture and yeah. then you go to your your page and you're like oh I got 200 I got 300 <laughs> likes oh great but you you spoke on some you're speaking on something that is very that I'm starting to learn more like shoot for yourself yeah. don't shoot for these feature pages because what these feature pages it's great for the exposure don't get me wrong like it's such a huge help when large accounts feature you I get a nice yeah. boost in followers but if and like right now, I haven't been featured by a big account in like a week, and I've been my father account's been like plus two. Yeah, but I'm kind of like this when I've been really putting a lot of effort into my business, doing the the portraiture, the the weddings, the the video work, all that, and I feel like I'm starting to find my own voice and my own style. Like I'm yeah. shooting for myself. And people value that and not only value it, like likes and follows do not pay the bills. Mm-hmm. People are valuing it with their wallets. And I yeah. think at the end of the day, that's more important. It gives you more inspiration to to do it for yourself. Yeah. Like this and is my you, vision. And you mentioned like um you mentioned that like do this, you've been developing your own style and stuff like that. So then now that that goes back to the second like part of my question that I wanted to ask you, um, how similar or different have you noticed that your video editing style is from your photo editing style? Cause again, like I've been able to translate like what I edit in photo and I just put that over onto my video. So then it's just like on your end, how do you, how different do you feel that is? So I've had a few, I have a few presets that I've made myself and a few that I've bought that I really, really like. So right. there's a there's like a LUT generator where you pop in the preset and it'll spit out a cube file, which is a, a color grade, mm-hmm. basically a color preset for video. And it didn't work. So I've had to develop my own kind of style for it. But it's different. It's very, very different. You know, yeah. what looks in good in pictures does not look good in video. You know, it's very, it's very, very different. Yeah. It's almost, um, I would say that it's almost like, like you've met, like you said, it's like subtlety is the name of the game, right? So in video. Um, Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like the natural look. That's the one thing that I noticed like early on, because again, like any little thing that you do to a temperature to make it a little bit warmer can completely blow the skin tone. Like what the hell happened here? It's just like Oompa Loompa, just oversized. Right. Um, and then you can start playing around with like the tone curve. You can start playing around with, you know, like the HSL and all that stuff. Um, but it still doesn't like remedy anything. So it's, it's, and it's you can tough. Go, and that's the thing about video editing too. Like there's so many settings for it. Like you mentioned the, you mentioned the, um, the saturation slider, mm-hmm. the, the curves, but you're missing the other part where is the the other charts where it's like hue versus hue, hue versus gamma. Yeah. Like all those, like I'm barely starting to touch the surface of those and they're so powerful. 
Yeah. So, so powerful. But I'm hearing that DaVinci Resolve is a little bit easier to use the color grade. So that's something I've been wanting to get into. Again, <laughs> like you, master of none, but, you know, jack of all trades, but master of none. Yeah. But, like, what do you use? Do you use DaVinci or do you use Premiere? Or I, I use, I use Premiere. Yeah, just Premiere. Um, I, I've never worked with iMovie. Um, I hated it. I think I tried it once and I was just like, this is horrible. Um, so someone gave me like this cracked version of like final cut (laughs) and it blew up my lap, (laughs) my laptop. (laughs) So it's just like, um, then after that, I was just like, all right. Uh, And luckily it blew it up when I was at Berkeley and Berkeley paid for my Adobe creative cloud at the time. So, um, I had like free premiere Lightroom, Photoshop, everything for almost three years. Um, and yeah. And so I was just like, man, screw final cut. Like I'm just going to go on premiere. And it was, it was a little intimidating cause it's like, Ooh, Adobe. Right. Yeah. Um, but then once I got on it, I'm like, Oh, this is like, it functions the same. It's just like C to cut V to kind of like you have your cursor to the selection tool and you just play around with it. But, um, and luckily for me, it's just like, I've, I've worked with Photoshop and I worked with illustrator um so a lot of the stuff it's just like it translates easily when you when you have a little more um i guess like experience with some of the other adobe tools right a lot of their tools are like cross compatible like i just yeah i just learned well i didn't just learn but i just the for the first time ever i played with adjustment layers on yeah. premiere and um layer masks yeah like a lot of the terminology is intertwined amongst all the adobe products but let me just say, um, Premiere is one of the most frustrating programs I've ever dealt with because I've had it. That stupid program has crashed on me more times in the last two or three months that I've been really playing with it than all my programs I've ever dealt with combined. Yeah. And it's so infuriating because you start, you work hard on the little details and everything, and all of a sudden, like, oh, Adobe Premiere shut down incorrectly. And then you open it again and you're like, what the hell was I here an hour ago? What happened to all my work? Yeah. I've learned like to save every, save like, every, 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 uh, I guess in like video, when you focus on it, like every three, four seconds of video that I've kind of like progressed on, I, I hit save control S. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to do it. Cause if you don't do it, then it's just like you screw yourself. And especially when you're working with like, these crazy transitions and effects. And then you're just like, that took me 30 minutes to do this one thing for this little, like just the end of the clip. You made my day today because the client that I gave that video that I put out today, well, that I gave to the client today where I did that transition where he walks across the frame yeah. and it, it's a new, it's a, it's a new scene. He didn't notice it. I told him, I'm like, I worked on that from 12 midnight to two, trying to get that layered down. And to get all like, the keyframing. So he, he looked he looked at it, he was like, oh, yeah, he's like now I noticed it. But you noticed it. And I'm like, oh, someone noticed it. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was such a validation for me that, like, oh, sweet, uh, what is it called? This, what is it called? It's called a sweep transition. Or Yeah, and it's, it's a lot of, like, keyframing, um, you know, because it's like you, you use the, did you use the pen tool? Yeah, I use a pen tool. Yeah, you I hate pen tool the pen to tool. go around it, and the, yeah, it's horrible. But it's a, it's a, it's a, a need, and especially it's like Premiere, for, or at least when I look at video, it's a lot of like graphic design 
It is. Be it's your, little, and like, it's programming too. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so it's ridiculous. Like, dude, I started graphic like design and I started practicing my graphic design simply because I wanted to piece everything together when I did video, right? Like I learned photography as, as much as I could so that I can figure out composition and I can figure out like framing and okay, like how should I do this? If I can tell a story in one shot, then I should be able to improve the way that I tell a story in like a three second clip. Right. And then, and then I'm like, okay, well now I need to include like text because I need their names on it. Mm -hmm. So then now I need to learn like a little bit of graphic design. So I started dabbling with graphic design, creating like stupid little logos, creating flyers and stuff like that. And then, you know, you marry everything all together and it's just like, now you build a nice little video for somebody. You forgot about song selection. Uh-huh. Oh no, that's dude. Two hours choosing a song. Yeah. And the, <laughs> it's other the, worst. Thing, the other thing is, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, sound engineering. Mm-hmm. Imagine my shock when I really started looking into it and they're like, what do you mean the birds weren't, really weren't chirping in the video? What do you mean the waves are, are yeah. like another soundtrack? Like, yeah. I, and the person that when you when you told me like who inspired me or who I try to style myself after, like in photography, there's a lot. But in video, there's really two people and that's Peter McKinnon and Casey Neistat. Okay. They're both incredible incredible filmmakers that drive across stories in a way that that very few people can do right i try to strive to do that but um like casey casey neistat is more like off the cuff type person like i can see him going around all day just filming everything and then making something out of nothing Whereas right. Peter McKinnon is very detail oriented and he has to have intentional all his with stuff. Story telling, He's right? intentional, right? And yeah. Casey's kind of like, uh, like, oh, like, look at this amazing story that I made from nothing. Yeah, it's but, like it's like vlogging, right? Like yeah. when you vlog something, it's just like you're just recording and you're just like, oh, cool, this is my desk, and oh, shoot, look at this door, and oh, yeah, look at this, and then you piece everything together. Then, dude, I started, I started, uh, what's it called? I started vlogging. I don't know if you remember, I like saw that, yeah, two years ago, I was vlogging because I wanted to be in front of camera and feel comfortable being in front of camera, and I also wanted to just like, um, really work on my creativity by giving myself all the freedom to be able to just work on stupid transitions. Like, <laughs> Oh, it would be sick if I did this. All right, cool. Like this is a platform for you to be able to just to do all that stuff. If it looks stupid, then it looks stupid. If it looks great, then no one, <laughs> no one gives a damn, but you know, it's just like, at least you feel good about it. Um, dude, I, video is just like, it's my, my baby. I love it. Yeah. And that's the thing too, that um, if you, if you, the, how can I word this? If you go in with the edit in mind, it kind of makes it easier. But then if you just go in like on a vlog, like this is my day, this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do at the end of the day. It's so much harder to edit that. Yeah. You know, cause you're kind of trying to piece together your story. Versus I think if it's you easier it. for me. It's easier for me to do that because as much as I don't know, it's, it sounds like, it's a, it's a little um, contradicting, right? Or self-contradicting, but it's almost like if you can build something out of nothing, then you're a great storyteller. That's true. You so, know, as, as opposed to like storyboarding and planning everything. And, you know, it's, it's like story of my life. Like I, I hate planning. I hate having to hit the drawing boards. I hate 
being like, oh, shoot, on Saturday, I'm going to do this at this time and this at this time. You know, like, for example, our wedding, like, I was just like, plan whatever you want. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and expect the worst. You know, like we're in COVID times and stuff like that. And the less I plan, the less I stress. So um, that's That's one way to go about it. Yeah. So for me, when I, when I look at, you know, it's just like being able to, I I recorded a bunch of like stuff um, for our honeymoon or a little miniature honeymoon. And I'm expecting to like put everything together. Um, I'm actually working on something that it's just, I'm excited to release it, but it's just like, I've mentally I've planned everything, but I don't know what I'm looking at, which is crazy. So at the end of uh, 2019, when we're going into 2020, I wanted to create a video with, cause I have footage from my phone, from my old Android, from my GoPro, from my like DSLR. And I was like, how sick would it be to say goodbye to the old decade and say hello to the like new decade by just like highlighting a lot of things from the last year. Right. Yeah, then 2020, 2020 was going to be so great. Yeah. And then, and then 2020 hit, I'm like, Oh man, this sucks. Right. <laughs> so then, now I was trying to do, do it all over again. And, but now it's just kind of like focusing on like how life can be very unexpected and there could be so many changes. And yes. so again, it's just like, I'm, I'm going to tell a story off like God knows what clips. Cause I haven't like vetted like everything that's in my hard drive. I haven't gone through all that stuff, but I'm excited. And it's just a matter of just sitting down on my desk, going through everything and being like, okay, I can use this clip and I can use this clip and I can use this clip. Um, did you record your own wedding? No, or did you help so, your own wedding? No, I, uh, dude, it's, it's hard. Cause it's just, I've done weddings. Right. And at this point I have a good sense of like the things that you look in, the things that you want to capture the details. I can't do that with photo for whatever reason, like photo at a wedding. I'd rather do video at a wedding. It's, it's like my strong suit. I'd rather do photo. Um, <laughs> dude, let's work together. I'm going to hit you up. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I was struggling to find somebody and then, um, someone recommended, uh, this guy, Anthony. And now it's just like, we were, we just, he, I was his client and then we became friends. Um, and he used like a Z cam Z something. I forgot what it's called, but it's like a little video camera. It's a little cinematic. He has his whole little cinematic gear. And I was just like, dude, like this thing looks good. And then when he finally showed me what he did, I was blown away. I had seen his work and I'm like, his storytelling is great. I like his editing. Like he's hired, right? Like I, I don't need any more convincing or proof. But once I saw his, like the, the end of, I guess like the end of the project and he showed me everything blown away. Like he, he did a, an extended version. He did a shortcut and then he did two reels. Yeah, that, so did you did you give him all the creative control, or did you kind of tell him this is the kind of shots that I'm looking for? Because it's kind of hard as a as a creator yourself. Yeah, I when I got married and I had my photographer, like I was so like, oh, this guy sucks. Like I wish I could yeah. change um, the photographer, but at the end he ended up being a jerk. He helped all our pictures. He never gave me any of my pictures in print that we paid for. Um, he, the only reason I didn't go after him in court is because he gave me all the um, files digitally, like even the mm-hmm. raw files. 
and mm-hmm. I just uploaded all of them to my Google Photos account, and now I have all of them. And um, my wife kept telling me, like, like call them, tell them we want our album, call them, tell them we want our, our pictures edited. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. But it's as a creator, sometimes you look at other creators like this happens a lot when I'm at other people's weddings. I'm like, yeah, look, look at that videographer. Like he sucks. Like he's not doing this. <laughs> I would do it this way. I would do it that way. So it's fun. It's yeah. it's funny when you have your own event and you're paying for someone else to do what you love to do. It's tough, but it checks you. I think that that's the, the important thing, right? Like when, when they're when better get- than you. When you get checked and then, and not even when they're better than you, but even just your ego, you know, it's just like, I feel like there's kind of like, for whatever reason, and, and just life, like, I'm not going to say that in the creative community, because creative is so subjective, right? Like, like, I can think that you're amazing, I can show it to my wife, and she's like, oh, this is ass, right? So um, I think that when when we there's this kind of like ego thing that it's just like, Oh man, he sucks. And I've done it. Like, I think I just did it this weekend when my, my homie was like at his pizza place. I was just like, dude, I can create a better, I can take better photos. I can do a better video than whoever like you're getting up in here to do this for you. And I will like charge you half whatever, because you're my homie. Right. So there's, there's definitely this sense of ego, but then I got checked. Cause I was just like, I, I don't want to be, that person that's gonna take control so it was that's why it was hard to hire somebody you know yeah. and and that's why it's just like i like i would look at their work and even even my my now wife when she was showing me photographers like oh this person I'm like you just want to hire them because they're your homie you know like or because you know them i'm like i don't like their work um but i never allowed it to get to that point because i knew that once we got there and being a creative myself, I didn't want to be all over them and be like, hey, yo, like, this is what we want. And it worked out for me because hiring the right person meant like zero stress on me. My hands were up and he was like, hey, so I want to do this, 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 this and this. Let me talk to you prior. And it, it showed me a lot uh, or at least it taught me um, that communication that you need to have with your client because it can get really sour. For example, like in your case, right, like it's it's a sour feeling when it's just like this person is capturing one of the most important days in your life or just any important day in your life. And then it's just like, no, you're not friends or now you can't talk or, you know, it's, and that's another thing. Like I like becoming friends with my clients. I love it. Like I want to, if I become your homie, then next time when you have your bar mitzvah or your gender reveal, or you have a kid, I know that I'm going to get like reached out to, you know, for any yeah, Bigger. definitely. I think yeah. I think being a creative and also being a business person are two very hard acts to juggle. Like it's very it's very easy to get carried away with one side and neglect the other side. Yeah. Like some people are great. Some of the you know best photographers are terrible business people and that's just the sad truth of of the industry. There's a lot of I've met a lot of people that complain like oh you're a photographer and then they go on to tell me about a photographer that that took their pictures never wanted to give them their pictures never finished editing them just took their money whatever it may be but yeah because that they don't have that business sense and also on the other end they're like oh they're all business but their pictures are not the best they're kind of like very cookie cutter yeah and sometimes the clients aren't just not happy with that so like right now that's what i'm 
that I'm trying to be the best at both, juggling both equally. And I've actually looked into like maybe getting an editor because if I want to grow a business, I can't be consumed with editing all the time, you know? Right. And I'm, I'm, you as a business person, you know, you understand that you have to understand everything um, that a business has to go through, but you can't master like marketing because then you're going to, you, you take yeah, away you attention from the baseline. Yeah. You just like at baseline, right? Like you just have to have a clear understanding of what an accountant's role is and what, what you expect out of them. And then like a marketing person. Yeah. Just baseline, dude. Baseline. Yeah. Is, is your wife supportive of, of, of your create creative side? Oh, she loves it. Um, she's like, I'm a dreamer, you know, like I'm a, to a certain extent, I'd even say that I'm like very visionary where I, I come up with ideas. I'm like, this would be cool. And sometimes I just like lack the execution. Um, but she supports all my dreams. Like I'm, I'm actually working on a clothing line. Um, I don't clothing line. Like right now it's just like, there's a million of them. Right. Um, I do have the marketing experience. I do have the business like experience. So it's just, I'm not expecting it to fail, but I'm also, you know, I'm not expecting to be like the next Supreme or the next the hundreds or, but it's, it's, it really revolves around mental health. And I've explained things to her. I had a branding meeting last, last week, and then we had to skip last week. I'm hoping that, you know, we reassess this week. Um, and, and again, it's just like, I've loved, I love sneakers. As you probably seen, like I love shoes. Right. Um, I'm not the most fashionable guy, but I understand fashion, right. um, and and I love it. So you know, with all of that stuff, like I do photo, I do video. I'm a musician. I can I can still blow into my saxophone. I can still play keyboard. Yeah, you keep yourself busy. I try. Um, it's just my anxiety. It's just, I, I need it. If I, if I'm not busy and I give myself time to be thinking like too long, my mind will get in trouble. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the problem that a lot of people have. If you have yeah. too much free time, it's nothing good comes of it. Yeah. Yeah. My anxiety is just like, it was the toughest year of my life. And it's the year that I should have really gravitated towards photography. I should have gravitated towards art. Dude, like, it started last July. My mind went crazy. I legit thought like I lost my mind. I thought that, you know, it's just like, I wasn't, I wasn't going to recover from it. Um, I went to the ER twice, like once thinking I had a heart attack or a stroke the second time. Cause I had like extreme uh, head, like what's it called? Tension headaches. Right. Um, and, and from there it's just having like extreme brain, brain fog and not knowing, you know, it's just like what it was, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's just like, I, I had never been diagnosed with anything. I knew that I had some social anxiety. And then it was this year with COVID and a couple of bad decisions <laughs> uh, that got me to like, I was diagnosed with severe anxiety and, um, and, you know, you marry that with like a couple of panic attacks and your body now responds to kind of like any small sensation. It sucks. Um, so I really focused last year on really loving myself as best as I could. You know, it's just, I had to take right. a time to not be busy. I had to take time to, um, take care of myself, take care of like loving myself. I'm usually like a giver, right? Like I go and you want to spend time with me at 11 PM, dude, come over and let's talk about whatever you're going through or call me, whatever. Um, but I had to 
to take a pause. And, um, and I'm just, 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 just getting back into the rhythm of, you know, staying busy again. And which is why I've launched this whole thing. I, I, my goal is to launch in May for mental health awareness month, just because okay. everyone, everything is tied in for, for mental health. Yeah. I haven't said much of it, but that's, that that's as much as, you know, it's like I put out there. Cause if I feel like every time that I put something out there, and I give detail, I never follow through. Cause it's just like the idea has been released and now it's just like, it's just, it's in the air now. And I'm just like, okay, well it's, it's it, people know about it. So I'm trying to be very intentional with this just because it means so much to me yeah, yeah. and to her too. Like she's on, she's on board with me and like in my business ventures and my creative ventures, like she's all, she's all in. That's amazing. It's always great to have a spouse that supports you in whatever you do. Yeah, imagine i mean i'm i picture you dude like you're you're gone by five it's eleven forty-five, and then you're gonna be out off at, in four hours you're gonna be out taking photos the, well, the funny story about that is that so i have two kids i have a five-year-old and a six-year-old and they require a lot of attention and the thing about me getting up at four or five in the morning is it's just my quiet time it's time to myself and i right. find so much uh, I you you more productive if you get up early, like the most successful people in the world, they get up early. They get up early before anyone else does. And um, who was it? Uh, I want to say it was Arnold Schwarzenegger that said, "If you wake up two hours earlier, mm-hmm. every, um, every day for a week, that's fourteen hours a day. If you do it for two weeks, you're looking at uh twenty twenty eight hours." It just rounded down to two for a day. If you do that for the whole month, you have two extra days worth of time. And then if you times that times a year, you're looking at 24 days, 24 days. That's an extra month. So I found a lot of value in waking up early and being productive. But I also do it because my since my wife gets up around eight, I can be back home by eight after shooting. And if I'm shooting and I'm like, I'm in a different mindset, I'm more relaxed. I photography is a therapy for me. So I can come home and then I can kind of deal with whatever house problems, whatever kids problems, whatever anything life has to throw at me. But I'm in a different mindset than if I just kind of like, oh, I will go at eight. I will go ball late now. I need to yeah. feed the kids. It's just a different way to start your day. And I mean, how does it work when when you sleep late, though? I mean, normal bed. Time I know you mentioned you're in bed by like ten, but like, what time are you really falling asleep? Um, so I'm a heavy sleeper. Like, I don't have a, I don't really have a problem sleeping. Uh-huh. Again, it goes back to like, I don't, I can't complain about life. I, I can go to bed right now and I go straight to sleep. Um, right. to me, it's just like put my head down, close my eyes, I'll go to sleep. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm up late, like I've been up late, I've been up till three in the morning the last two days because I've mm-hmm. been trying to get all this workout. But um, I won't get up early because being in the medical field, uh, I know the importance of sleep, too. And right. if you don't sleep enough, that also leads to detrimental effects on your health. And mm-hmm. like you said, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. And, you know, that's the number one thing they teach you. Even when you're like they're do- doing the safety demonstrations on planes, they tell you put your mask on first before you put on anyone else because your cup has to be full before helping others so 
I'm definitely glad that you you see that self love is a great thing, and it, you should take care of yourself because if you're yeah. not well, you're not going to be a good uh, person to help other people. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, and then that's why I was just like, dude, like, you know, you sleep late and you wake up early, but I mean, I'm assuming that tomorrow it's uh, one of those days that you'd wake up a little bit later than. Uh, so it's it's getting close to midnight now, but. Like yeah, I might grow. I might get up at five or six because I still have a few photos to edit before I completely clear my backlog. But I have a, a quinceanera that I'm doing on Saturday and the family shoot that I'm doing on Sunday. So I'll have a lot of work to work on for next week. So okay. like I said at the beginning, I just I don't like having an entire backlog. Yeah, and it and it changes like that's what's so crazy is I mean, have you been doing like weddings and like portraits for a long time, or is this something that you recently started? I've only done a few weddings uh, in my career as a photographer, but um, I know that they're a lot of work mm-hmm. from culling to sorting to um, cropping, color grading, color correcting, it, and and try to put it all together to create a story. Right. Because my, I'm a huge believer in printing your pictures. Because once you print your pictures, it gives you a different, it gives your picture different meaning because now it's physical. Now it went from something that's like ones and zeros, a digital file into an actual real world thing. So I, the vast majority of times I tell my clients that I'm going to give them a digital photo album, like not digital as in online, but um, one of those like lay flat books. Uh-huh. and they love them that's my that's my number one thing i i love my vendor they're you know economical and it allows me to have enough profit to you know keep my little business going and keep buying more stuff but i that's that's what i do i give all my clients um a digital photo album a lay flat book yeah that's cool yeah but i don't I I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm undercharging because some of these photographers for a lay flat book, they'll charge like $2,500. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, I was looking at, um, did you see the book that my, my wife gave me? No. So she gave me, she made like, I had never printed any of my photos. Oh um, yes. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. That was so sweet. That was so sweet. Yeah. I thought like, I'm like, Oh man, if that was me, I would have been crying. Yeah, no, I, I was I was blown away because uh, like the caption completely said everything, right? Like um like I'm I'm a believer. I believe in like a higher power, I believe in God, I believe in, in all that stuff. And so um I like the one thing or the two things that were kind of like really getting me through um my like season of anxiety was um like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little spiritual here, but in, in kind of like the Bible, there's a story where uh, Jesus is walking and then the leper goes up to him and he's just like, Hey, like, if you will, you will cleanse me. And um, then Jesus reaches out to him, touches him, thus becoming like dirty. And, and then he's just like, like, I will now be clean. So he touches him, says that he, it's just like, he's willing to do that. And then he sends him out on his way in like, like cleaning him. Right. So, that became very motivational to me because to me as a believer, I was just like, dude, like God's willing to get knee deep in my mess, 
get filthy dirty and walk with me through whatever I'm going through. And then also this, this other thing in, in the book of Isaiah where it says for you, O Lord, are, are the potter. We are the, sorry for you, O Lord, are something. We are the clay. You are the potter. Mm-hmm. We are like pretty much like the work of your hands. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, when I looked at that, I was just like, everything that I'm going through, it's God literally shaping me. It's God literally forming me to be whoever, you know, he wants me to be. So when I go through like my anxiety, I'm using that as a tool to be able to be like help others. And like to this day, it's so crazy to me that by me being, being vulnerable and being like, Hey, I'm anxious. Hey, I've wanted to kill myself. Hey, I'm like, I've felt like I'm going crazy. There's been people that have stopped their intent of suicide because they're reminded by something that I've shared. So, um, you know, in, in all of that stuff, like I look at, you know, my, my whole journey and everything, I'm just like, okay, like there's one, (laughs) there's a meaning to all of this. Um, but I really just try applying it in everything that I do. I mean, which, which is, is so important. Um, I think in the authenticity of everything that we do. So um, when, with all of that, she titled the book in the hands of the potter, which is like, it's on my Instagram. I think it's just like hashtag in the hands of the potter. Um, Then it's like, she put lethal main. She used one of my favorite pictures like that I've taken, which was the observatory shot. Right. And then she just went through all photos. And as I was going through everything, I was just like, I remember that. I remember that that night I just couldn't sleep. So I went out that day. I was feeling anxious on my way home from work. So I just like pulled over and I took a shot and, uh, or yeah, I just got down to shoot. And so all of that stuff, like it made it so real. And I was just like, dude, this is so crazy. But when I tried kind of like replicating it to sell it, I was just like, Oh my God, a hundred dollars. Like how am I, I'm not, I'm not going to sell a book for 200. Like I don't want to yeah. do that. Um, and again, yeah, like $2,500 for a book. That's ridiculous. Like, yeah, I, I, I can't bring myself to tell people like, I'm going to charge you $2,500 for a book on top of my services and everything. It's a mindset thing too. Yeah. You got to value yourself, but you touched on something that's, I think my favorite thing about posting the Instagram is that every post has a story. Yeah. Like you have like, you don't people don't know what you went through to get certain pictures but you know like yeah. i love the way that i look at some pictures i'm like damn that day i almost got a ticket that day i almost got arrested for <laughs> trespassing for a stupid picture that day my camera broke that day my tripod broke because i was trying to get this picture so and i can imagine even with yours because your your shots like the like the locations and everything that you do it's it's like i see a lot of the drone shots that you say i'm like how is this dude not gotten a ticket for his drone like hey we don't talk of- about that <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people ask me i just had someone ask me um they were like where can i legally fly a drone in la and i, and I just put Nowhere. Ha, 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 ha. i'm like depends do you want to do it legally do you want to do it illegally or do you want to do it like super gray area legally yeah because you know you're not allowed to fly five miles within an airport and that so basically santa monica's out because of santa monica airport lax is out but lax is weird because if you look at the drone map they're they're like the airspace that is directly in front of lax goes all the way out past five miles and it's like you can't get in the in the way of 
uh, planes leaving the LAX airspace. It's like it's like this long runway that so you can so see. It's so obscure, it, like you have no idea. It's super obscure, and I mean, I think technically it's legal to fly a drone from a public city street in LA, but once you're in the air, at the FAA governs the airspace, and the FAA doesn't want you flying within five miles of an airport, and they classify helipads as an airport. And there's a ton of helipads. There's a there's LA. a helipad on like every other block. If you if you you don't know these things until you like a drone flyer, but there's helipads yeah. everywhere. So that essentially makes all of LA a no fly zone if you if you really think about it. But right. I've talked to licensed uh, Part One Hundred Seven holders, which are like commercial drone pilots, and they're like, "That's not really true." So there's a lot of misinformation, but there a lot of people. Some people are just jerks. They'll be like, "You can't fly that drone. That's illegal. You're spying on my house." I'm like, "Lady, please." I'm like, "I could look at your house from Google Earth on my phone." <laughs> Yeah. Like there's nothing my drone's gonna catch that's not already publicly available. Yeah, but yeah, like drone flying is illegal, but I think it's, I think it's uh, the government being, being overreaching. They do a lot of that now, but I think a lot of it is like there should be, I should be allowed to fly in certain places, right? You know, but. Anyways, that's a whole separate issue. Yeah, but every every post has a story. And yeah. there's pictures that are on my feed where I'm like, I almost lost a drone. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a total it was it was insane. Hey, I've had yeah, a lot of fun it, with it. It's crazy. That's why I, I mean that's the one thing that I I really love about photography and like and even video, just being able to go out there and then um and like you, you can't do that with graphic design, right? Like graphic design, you're sitting on your desk and, or you might be, I don't know, like with procreate now and all that stuff, given you can be anywhere, but the fact that you grab your equipment, you're going out there, you station yourself and you, you do what you do. Like it's the beautiful thing about it. And it's very therapeutic. You're right. Like that's the, that's the perfect word for it. Yeah. Photography is therapeutic. I, I love it for that. And that's why I keep doing it. And, um, I, I like doing the Instagram posts and like the landscapes because it's a nice change of, of client demands. Right. You know, when you're doing client work, you can't really be creative, but if you do client work too long, you get burned out on it too, just like any other job. Yeah. So I, I find my, ba- I strike my balance by going out and getting shots for myself. It's good. Yeah. It's and really with, good. And with portrait, portraiture, portrait photography, you asked me about this. I just recently started getting into that and i've reached out to a few models like hey you know do you want to do a collab like i think i'm better than average but i still need models and like now i don't even have time for that like when i do like a like a what is it called Um, a collab Mm -hmm. it's 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 less pressure because i don't they're not paying me so i don't really have to give them a super professional result but it gives you it gives me a chance to kind of stretch that creative muscle Right. I kind of try different things that I necessarily wouldn't try with a paying client. So right. I'm trying to get more into that, but I'm booked like all the way into like mid April. The other thing I would, I would uh, advise you is, I mean, just cause I've done this to a certain extent is knowing the limits of, of how much you can kind of how creative you can be with your clients. Right. And, and I've had clients that allow me to do whatever the hell I want. Which yeah. gives me the the comfort of 
what like whatever comfort you get with these like collabs with the models right and they just they just trust me so sometimes um even in kind of like the whole conversational process and you're just trying to figure things out I share my ideas and dude, like for me, it's just, I don't, I don't care about losing a client. It's just, is this going to work or not? Right. Yeah. And this is how much I charge. You do not want it. Okay. These are the ideas that I have. If you don't want it, there's a million other photographers that you can go to. And I don't care because I won't have to, it sounds like it's horrible. I'm the worst business owner as a photographer, but I'm just like, you can go to any other of those other guys. It's less stress for me. It's less for me to do. Um, cause I have a million other things in like, in like my mind, yeah. but, but it's just, I, I love when someone gives you full like autonomy in the creative process and gives you a, like, they believe in your vision to be able to say, do whatever you want. All I really want is just make sure that you capture me. Like, let's just say for a wedding, right? Just make sure you capture me kissing like the bride. Perfect. Like you wanted that one shot. I gave you that one shot and you gave me the freedom to do whatever else I wanted, which is why I, why I think like, you know, the, this whole thing worked with, um, with our wedding video because they had full autonomy over everything. Yeah. My client on Sunday, uh, she wants pictures of her little girls. And I was like, so what do you, like, what do you, what shots do you want? What kind of, what feeling are you trying to do? Like, what is it for? And she's like, I trust your creativity. I was yeah. like, oh, so that kind of puts more stress. Yeah. I was also because we like, I have to deliver now. But, you know, it's like the the caveat to it is I trust your creativity, but then you deliver and it's like, I don't like it. Uh, luckily, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the worst. Luckily, I haven't had that happen. I've, I've, I've had the, the opposite of that where the client's like, I want this. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I want. And this is no exceptions. This is what I want. Yeah. But then you're kind of bound by that. So like one of the videos I recently did, the the client was like, I want my my video to be 60 seconds long. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like that's that's super quick. Like I can't deliver a story in 60 seconds. And she was like, she's like, I want it for Instagram. She's like, I want it to fit in that 59 second window so I can put it as a story. And it was so I did my best. I did quick cuts. I did fast speed ramps, all of everything. And it was, um, at the end, I was like, it just ended so abruptly. I don't like it. So I yeah. got back to it and I'm like, look, I'm like, trust me, just give me like another 30 or 45 seconds. I'll get you something that you'll love. And I did. I, I had, I already had the edit in mind and I did it and I delivered it. And she was like, I can't stop looking at it. I love it. Yeah. So I'm like those 40, like, so sometimes you have to, it's a, it's a compromise between your client and yourself. You have yeah. to be able to, um, they hired you because they trust in your vision. They like your work, you know? Um, so they've seen your work, they like it. So they, they're trusting you. So, um, it's also important to try to convey, like you said, convey your creativity to the client and remember that, remind them why they hired you. And just make sure it's a perfect fit. Like, like I I believe strongly with that. And I think because of the whole hiring thing, right? Like when you, when you hire somebody at a company, it's just, it's, you're creating a culture, right? And and so you want, you want to have people that fit that culture and will be able to believe and buy into the culture. So when you 
when you have a client, like for me, that it's just as like I mentioned earlier, as stupid as it sounds, and I'm probably the worst like photography business like <laughs> manager, owner, whatever. But it's for me because because fit is so important. I want to be able to vibe with you. I want to be able to be friends with you. And if we're like not there, important. yeah, yeah, then it's just like I'd rather just not work with you. And then because I'm gonna, I'm not gonna deliver the best of my work. Right. Because right. you're on me, you're breathing on me, you're micromanaging you're whatever it is, as opposed to, hey, we vibed, we're friends. Like, let me go above and beyond for you because I, I, I can afford to charge you less than any of the other guys. Because for me, it's just like I just want to grow my portfolio. I want to have fun with it. So I don't really care about the money. I, I would like to get paid, but I don't care about it. You know. Right. Um, and. Well- yeah. For all the photographers that come to me and say, like, I want to start photography as a business, I always tell them, like, my number one thing is with them is always, like, never be afraid to say no. Because mm-hmm. if you if you get into a contract with a client that wants something and you're just saying yes, 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 just because you're excited to get the job, you're excited to get the money, you're going to hate your, you're going to be hating every minute of that edit you're gonna be hating every minute when you're shooting with this person because they're so whatever it may be unreasonable demanding um whatever it may be so i always like never be afraid to walk away from a deal because you will hate your life (laughs) when you're trying to shoot something and they're like no do this do it that way do it this way no i didn't want this i want this yeah it's it's the worst and i mean that's why i'm i'm very lucky that i I mean, there's, there's thing, there's projects that I haven't enjoyed as much, but there's not, there hasn't been a single project that I've been like, oh, I hate this and I hate life. But you learn though. You yeah, learn every yeah. project. I mean, for me, every project that I've taken on so far, I've learned something new. Yeah. And that's and really, you know, it all comes down to in the end being, making yourself better. Progress, mm-hmm. not perfection. 100% excellence. That, that's what I always say. It's just like when you do stuff, you do stuff with excellence yeah it won't always be perfect but you know you gave it your the best that you could yeah so it's coming up on two hours so i want to thank you for opening up and you know especially with your mental health uh issues that's very touchy subject for certain people uh most people but thank you for taking the time to talk to me and you know I look forward to you talk to you. You were telling me that you want to start your own podcast with your wife. And I definitely look forward to hearing you start that, you know, and it's definitely something that uh, just like you've shown me support. I look forward to supporting you with whatever endeavor that you do and appreciate appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you too. And anyone out there, I mean, if anyone listening and they made it this far and, you know, they resonate with, with anything, you feel me? It says, I think that in, in, at least on the mental health end, just talk. And, and yeah. Like I reached out, I reached well. out to him and he answered my DMS. He, yeah. He's a super cool dude. Feel free to reach out to him at little main L I T O M A Y N. Yeah. He on Instagram, he's a great dude, super friendly. Appreciate yeah, you, man. man. All right, man. This was fun. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. I want to have you on for another episode. Maybe we can talk some gear or something. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Ready All for right. you. All right. Hi, bro. All right. Have a good one. Too.